0: What's good, Liquid Trucking, and welcome into the Liquid Trucking Podcast, Episode 12. We are off and rolling. Uh, thank you all so much for uh, being a part of this thing. Clicking that subscribe button helps out the podcast greatly. So if you uh, if you want to do that for us, we'd really appreciate it. And also, this is kind of cool. I'm headed over to uh, liquidtrucking.com right now. And if you click that main link, you just Google Liquid Trucking and go over to the homepage Of liquidtrucking.com. Look whose face is right up there on the very front. It says, Check out our brand new podcast. You can click the Learn More button and it will take you to the podcast landing page where you can see this week's episode. You can check out where to find all of the different episodes on the various uh, podcast apps. And then you can check out the trailer. You can read a little bit about me. You can contact me directly. Uh, or you can check out some of the older episodes there as well. So if you're hanging out on a 34, you're looking for something to do, maybe you haven't checked out all the episodes yet, head on over to liquidtrucking.com and uh, get in touch with the podcast, see everything that we have to offer. Uh, this is really cool. I mean, the, the, the people that put this together did a phenomenal job. It looks so good, uh, minus the fact that it's my face everywhere. I'm still having a little bit of trouble getting used to that. But again... Head on over to liquidtrucking.com, click the learn more button uh, where you see the podcast advertisement up top, and that'll get you in touch with me, all the episodes, all the places to find them, and everything else we have to offer. So that's enough of the homework for today. What are we getting into on this episode? It's kind of an interesting episode, to be honest with you, because we are getting down to brass tacks a little bit. There's a few things that we want to talk about today today. Uh, that are definitely good for everyone involved. And, uh, you know, it's it's one of those topics. The episode is called Who are You Gonna Call? It's pretty self-explanatory. Who do you call when something goes wrong? And uh, are you calling the right contact? We're going to talk to Bo Hanky and Dave Blotzer a little bit later on about who to call when And uh, we're not really going to get into specifics necessarily, but we will go over some scenarios and and who you need to call and what happens if you can't get a hold of the person that you need to get a hold of those types of things. Good information in there. And then we're going to have a really special conversation with liquid driver Alex Shevchuk later. Why is it so special? Well, he's the first driver that I've had bring on a family member, and he's coming on with Alex Jr., his 14-year-old son who just got done with football season and is looking around the corner to track and field season starting up soon. It's a really cool conversation, and I hope you'll stick around and listen to the entire podcast for it. Uh, Alex and his family, they are from Ukraine. Uh, Well, Alex is from Ukraine. I shouldn't say that. I do believe his family uh, started here. But Alex has a great story about not being able to see his brother for years. And when I say years, that's underselling it. I don't want to give it all away. Just know that we've got some great stories coming up from that interview coming up. And I'll also cover a little bit of industry news. I hesitate to call this breaking news because I am referencing a report that came out from the American Transport Research Institute, or ATRI. uh, They came out back in November of 2023. So it's not super old news, uh, but it is important because it talks about predatory towing practices We'll get into that coming up in this episode as well. Thanks for being here today. Hope you're staying safe out there on the road. We got a lot for you. So let's get locked in and get to it. Welcome to the gold standard of Podcast for the gold standard of drivers. This is the liquid trucking podcast with your host, Marcus Bridges. You know, I've heard that three's a crowd, uh, but in my life, I like to think that three's a party. And that's why I keep trying to bring on more than one person at a time when we're doing the Liquid Trucking podcast. And today, joining me is orientation and onboarding specialist, Bo Hankey. Bo, thanks for being here. Thank you. Happy to be here. And I've also got uh, safety director, Dave Blotzer, on the line. Dave, we appreciate the time.
1: No problem, Marcus. I enjoy it.
0: Now, today, we're talking a little bit about uh, calling the right people at the right time. I titled the episode, Who You Gonna Call? Kind of a Ghostbusters callback there. But um, when I was at the terminal a while back, I heard from multiple people that sometimes when stuff goes wrong out on the road, the drivers don't always get in touch with the right person, uh, or they call the wrong person at the wrong time. And I figured, why not just have a little bit of a conversation about this? Let's start with you, Dave. First off from a safety perspective, why is it important to make sure that you're getting in touch with the right person? If something goes wrong out there on the road?
1: Well, in a specific instance of a, an accident, it's very, very important. You know, we want, we want our drivers to call police first and then get a hold of somebody at the office, either uh, in the dispatch office or the safety office. So a lot of things can happen real quick when it comes to an accident. So, uh, Having a driver get in touch with the right person as soon as possible is paramount to, to following up on these accidents.
0: Mm-hmm. And calling the authorities is always a number one when it comes to an accident. I assume that there's no uh, there's no negotiation on that fact.
1: No, that's our company policy. Uh, you know, good, bad, or in between. Uh, having a police report of one of these accidents can uh, the uh, attorney if it gets to a, a, a situation where the uh, accident goes to a court. You know, that police report is you know, pretty solid evidence for one side or the other. So it adds some legitimacy to, to a potential case. Mm-hmm. So we, we require it from our
0: drivers. Gotcha. Now, I kind of want to take this to a little bit of a different spot, but I'm going to stay with you, Dave, here, because um, let's talk about maybe inclement weather. Uh, do the drivers need to call anybody in particular besides just their dispatcher? Uh, if they're going to shut it down because they don't feel safe out there on the road, is that is that something that might, uh, you know, get involved with safety? Or are you pretty much staying out of that, letting the drivers and the dispatchers take care of that type of situation?
2: Well, they'll, yeah, they'll generally
1: deal with their dispatcher on that because the dispatcher, you know, needs to let the customer know there's that there's going to be a delay in the delivery. Now, if the driver is uh, stopped because he's stuck on the side of the road, that, that's a, a different animal altogether. Uh, well, we'll probably want to get safety involved, um, but generally, a deal like that it's it it'll go through the dispatcher. Gotcha. And you know, even if they are stuck on on the side of the road, if they call their dispatcher, they they can get a tow a tow lined up for them uh, pretty quick. Okay. So uh, you know, safety's always always there for uh you know for a second call or as a backup uh, if it's something that the dispatcher can't handle or needs some help with.
0: Gotcha. All right, good stuff there. Now, Bo, I want to go to you. Obviously, you're dealing a lot with new drivers, orientation and onboarding. What type of advice do you have for your your new guys coming on when you're training them about calling the appropriate contacts and and at the appropriate times?
2: So, first of all, before these guys leave, they get all the contact numbers. They meet their dispatchers. They get their cell phone number, their desk phone number. You know, making sure that we get the truck shop, the trailer shop you know, all of the numbers that these guys are going to need and making sure, hey, is this a truck issue? Is this a trailer issue? You can be on a wild goose chase pretty easily when you are calling with very little information.
0: So the idea here is to gather all the information and then pick up the phone. Is that what you're telling me?
2: <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Know what you're calling about. Know the the correct party you want. A lot of people, including me, actually, when I was, when I was over the road orientation was a lot different i'm not going to say it was uh it was less it was just a lot different and you didn't get as much information i remember carrying my PTA out in my hands and throwing it in a truck and let's go let's do this (laughs) so now you get a nice duffel bag and all the things that go along with that but uh you know contact lists weren't as readily available then and uh as they are now and uh i would always call the recruiting line And guess who would pick up? It would be Dave almost every time, and he would get you to the right place. So
0: that's actually happened to me from time to time. I think I've called through and gotten Dave, and he's had to route me. So that look, I'm just a member of the team now. I'm, I'm, I'm oriented. I feel like Dave's used to it. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. He, in fact, I think I when I called him today, he wasn't even expecting it. So I like to call and surprise Dave from time to time. But really, it's not the best. Not the best for well, efficiency. I'm
1: glad, I'm, I'm glad you woke me up from my afternoon nap. That, that really was a good deal, Marcus.
0: Anytime, man. And, and if you want, we can set these about 15 minutes later. I can let you really extend that nap because, you know, a Thursday afternoon nap hits a little different than, uh, let's say, Tuesday morning, right? Yeah, I agree so uh do you guys have any stories uh from your time at liquid or your time in the past uh, any place else that you might have worked where just the i mean not just the wrong contact but like a comically wrong contact was uh was called when something was going down out on the road um and and it caused there to be a little bit of a fumble with what was going on because the right person didn't take the call but we'll start with you do you have any examples of things like that happening
2: um no i can just tell you this and this will probably start a little bit of drama but
0: whatever uh so you know
2: when you're out there and there's a paperwork issue or something an issue that's going to cause you a delay at a customer and your objective as a driver is to get in and get out and get back on the road get that load off and and move on to the next right so sometimes when things go wrong, you just start calling everyone. If the first person doesn't answer, so I'm not going to blame the drivers. Are they ever? If, if you can't get a hold of someone, get a hold of, or, or like the first first person you call. Get a hold of somebody. Try to get a hold of somebody, and they can you route you to the right direction. That's that's what I'm going to say uh, for this.
0: So it it sounded like maybe you were going to head someplace different, but that whole drama thing that you might start kind of kept you from <laughs> from getting no. too far into that. Is that what I heard there? Well, uh,
2: no, I mean, I don't want anyone to think that, oh, I can't get them a hold of my dispatcher all the time. You know what I mean? So I I don't want to start that. But if you can't get a hold of your dispatcher, try another dispatcher, try the main line, try safety, try try to get a hold of somebody.
0: Right. Try to prioritize those a little bit. Like if you can't get a hold of your dispatcher, calling the wash bay isn't necessarily the second call you should make. Like, let's get those guys down a ways, you know? (laughs) <laughs> make it make sense, right? <laughs> well, good. I mean, it's it's one of those things where, look, I, and I understand not wanting to start drama in the workplace. I You know, that was all kind of tongue-in-cheek there. Um, but you you want the drivers to feel like they, they are connected when they're out there on the road. I know that that's a big priority. And so, you know, calling somebody and not getting a hold of them can make a driver feel stranded for a second. But I think what you were about to say there, too, is these guys are answering the phone how many times a day? I mean, 50, 100 times a day, they might take a phone call. So it it might happen where you're just not able to get the right guy right away. Exactly,
2: exactly. But you're doing,
0: like I said, you're trying to
2: get in and get out of there. And sometimes you need that number or that thing you need faster than someone's willing to answer the phone for you. So, you know, it it can be panic-stricken sometimes especially when you're a new driver and they ask you a question that's completely off the wall and you don't know how to answer it. So calling the right people can be, can, can be huge in that scenario too.
0: For sure. Now, Dave, I want to ask you the same thing that uh, I just asked Bo is that, do you have any stories where something went wrong because the wrong contact was, uh, was called anything like that?
2: Well, uh,
1: I can't think of a single incident in particular, but they're, you know, we're always getting calls, uh, like most said, when a driver can't get a hold of his dispatcher. Um, and then we naturally, you know, when they do get a hold of somebody here, we'll we'll send an email to the dispatcher and make sure that they, they know who needs to talk to them and that kind of thing. It gets a little rough at three, you know, if somebody's running at three o'clock in the morning and they call in to their dispatcher and, you know, they could be sleeping like a log and didn't hear it. Uh, so sometimes those, those issues are pretty tough when it's after hours from time to time.
0: Sure.
1: Uh, I don't hear a lot of that, but, uh, you know, Bo and I and the rest of us in our department, we're more than happy to take a call from a, from a driver if he cannot get hold of his dispatcher. Because, like you were saying earlier, they are on the phone. Oh, constantly all day long. So sometimes it is pretty tough to get a hold of your specific dispatcher. Sure. Uh, but I've taken calls over the years, so mechanical issues in the middle of the night, uh, out of service issues that, you know, they'll call and say, I don't have enough time to get somewhere, which we I want that call. But, you know, the mechanical stuff, you know, as far as the safety department goes, that's not something we can really help them out with. But, you know, anything that was really crazy specifically, I, I really can't come up with something right off the top of my head.
0: I was told one when I was there uh, that just kind of made me giggle a little bit. And I I feel bad uh, because the person that told me this story, and I'll leave their name out just so we don't start any drama here. But the person that told me the story was clearly uh, not happy about it. And they said, you know, I had a driver out. His TV stopped working and he called the truck shop at like three in the morning. And (laughs) it was it was so misplaced like the call he said look yeah eventually you're i'm the guy that you're gonna call but i can't do anything for you at three in the morning and furthermore i don't want to do anything at three in the morning uh, for something as inconsequential as a tv that's not working obviously he would not have responded the same if this was a broken down truck but this was broken down entertainment um and he, you know he he said that wasn't necessarily the wrong contact as much it was as it was the wrong time um, wait until, you know, I'm up and I'm at work and then I'll be happy to help you. Uh, so, you know, it was something that just was, I think as people look back at it, they find it funny, but those ones when they happen in the moment are sometimes the ones that make you want to chew on the inside of your cheek. If you know what I mean.
2: Sounds like a serious issue to me. <laughs> if you don't have TV <laughs> at three in the morning,
0: you're making a call, yeah. Bo. Is that what uh, you're saying? that? <laughs> Hey
1: man, <laughs> I can't sleep. I can't stay up that late, so they wouldn't. Nobody'd would be getting a call for me at three in the morning.
0: Yeah, if I call you at three in the morning, I've been out doing some things I probably shouldn't have been doing. Um, <laughs> I try to live <laughs> by it's the bad. adage that nothing good happens after two a.m. Um, but I found myself out there trying to research that on my own too many times at this point, <laughs> fellas.
1: <laughs> yeah, we've all been there, Mark. <laughs>
0: So uh, I do want to know, you know, I haven't talked to you guys in a little bit here. Uh, Have you dug out of the snow that was hitting you guys? I mean, the the entire United States just got blasted over the last couple weeks with some terrible weather. I know that there was some snow out there in the Midwest. How is it shaping up out in Plattsmouth, Nebraska right now? You guys are cold out there. You got snow. You got ice. Um,
1: It's actually been a little bit above freezing all week. So it's it's melting. Um, So it's getting a lot better. But it is... uh, at night, it's you know, it gets a little below freezing, so the streets can be a little slick first thing in the morning. But other than other than that, it's supposed to be in the fifties next week, so we're all kind of looking forward to that. The sun's supposed to pop out, so we're expecting to run hard next week and everybody do real well. So we're looking forward to next week anyway.
0: Perfect. I'm glad to hear it. Uh, I had a kid ice skating around my neighborhood last week, gentlemen, and it was uh, it, w- it was not right. I didn't feel okay about it. I'm Thought about going out there and talking to him, but I couldn't walk down my driveway because it was just an ice rink. So we finally thought out over here on the West Coast, but I don't know how you guys deal with it, man. I mean, I grew up in the mountains, and when you're in a place in the mountains where people drive with those types of conditions all the time, it's not that big of a deal. I'll tell you, man, if there's enough snow to make a footprint down here in the valley, people are losing their minds, and it drives me nuts. Uh, but it didn't really seem like that when I was out in Nebraska. It seems like one of those places where... You know, everybody's got four-wheel drive or they've got studs on. They're used to it. So I'm glad to hear that you guys are at least dug out from the snow and that uh, those frigid temperatures are warming up for you and the drivers a little bit. It, It doesn't seem easy to me to work with liquid products in that type of cold. Like, don't your liquids freeze from time to time? It's always something I've wondered, and I've never had the right person on to ask. So talk to me about that. Like, do you have problems with some certain stuff freezing when it gets that cold?
2: Absolutely. Uh, caustic, for instance, caustic freezes at 6, 56 degrees Fahrenheit. So uh, we've also got urea, 100% urea, freezes at like 93 degrees. What? Yeah, so a uh, lot of lot of products. Tallow, you know, tallow is fat, just liquefied fat. There's a section, you know, down at the bottom right by the uh, internal valve that is uninsulated and it'll freeze Right there, you know, there's a whole bunch of little tricks you can do, and, and, uh, you know, experience helps with this. That's why I've always said I, I like guys when they start in January. Cause if you start in January, July is a breeze.
0: Yeah. You really get those first six or seven months to cut your teeth in the real crazy weather. And then all of a sudden you're just, uh, kicking your feet up and enjoying life once the sun comes out again. That's exactly right. You ever dip a jar into the tallow tank? I mean, I love that shit to fry my steaks in and things like that. I, I mean, if they <laughs> you know, you you have go. some choice white? Yeah. Choice light, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yeah, I it's that in the molasses that I hear. is like I feel, you know, I like to spend some time in the kitchen. I feel like the little jar of molasses, a jar of tallow. If you guys get an extra one, okay, if something comes back with some overfill. Hook a, hook a podcaster up, man. I'm I you know. Hey, someone listening in is probably going to have you a couple jokes. Good, that's great. I had a I had a driver <laughs> tell me a story on uh, on a different podcast once where he got sent home with an entire pallet of pizza rolls. Like if you get if you get a pallet of pizza rolls, you better be giving them away to your friends. That's all I'm saying.
2: That's fantastic. <laughs> I,
1: I don't think you want to be eating all of those as one person. It's not a good idea.
0: Try me, Dave. You're not my safety director.
2: <laughs> They're just not my favorite.
1: So if it was a pile of load of uh, regular M&Ms, that might be another story. Okay,
0: but. gotcha. Not peanut butter? Hey, what's going on? Uh-oh. It sounds like s- somebody's having too much fun, and now now somebody's busting in wanting to see what's going on. Is that it? Yeah, that's Cole Brown.
2: Well, both been locked in off. office. Closed,
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, Cole, uh, I appreciate you keeping an eye on him, my friend. Uh, you know, we're up against the clock here, fellas. I know you got a lot to do today. Onboarding and orientation specialist, Bo Hanke, uh, and safety director, Dave Blotzer. You guys have been great today. Also a cameo from Cole Brown. Appreciate you. Thank you both for the time. And uh, we'll get you back on here very soon, all right? All right.
1: Thanks, Marcus. Great, Marcus. Thanks.
0: Alright, it's time to get to a little bit of news here. I really love that button. I know I've said that probably a thousand times already, um, but that's one of my favorite buttons. I want to hear it again. It just makes everything newsworthy sound so official. Uh, today, we are going to talk a little bit about predatory towing practices Uh, because the ATRI released a report on predatory towing back in November of 2023. So this has been out for a couple of months now, Um, but I think it's important because this is a lot more rampant in the industry than what you might think it is. Uh, According to the ATRI, predatory towing is generally any incident in which a towing and recovery company egregiously overcharges, illegally seizes assets, damages assets by use of improper equipment, or illegitimately withholds release of a truck, trailer, and or cargo. Overcharges can occur in two primary ways, through either excessive costs, whether they're hourly per mile or per round, or charges for unnecessary additional equipment. If there's insurance that covers the towing and recovery services, insurers typically pay a large portion of these excessive costs or the cost for fighting these excessive costs, which in turn is passed on to motor carriers in the form of higher premiums. When insurance covers towing and recovery charges, excessive invoices often exceed the applicable limits, leaving motor carriers and or drivers responsible for the difference. It goes on to say that predatory towing has received renewed attention after a series of incidents garnered media coverage. And these are great. In 2020, a motor carrier received a $202,000 invoice in Virginia, For recovering and towing a truck involved in a single vehicle accident. That's crazy. In Chicago, unsolicited and illegal tows have been on the rise for the past five years. Not all predatory incidents have high costs or illegal activity. In 2023, a $6,000 bill for a 16-mile tow went viral as an instance of an excessive rate for minor service. Furthermore, when motor carriers or insurers contest a potentially predatory incident, towing and recovery companies hold equipment and cargo until payment is finalized. This means that even resolved predatory tows generate negative impacts to supply chains and especially to small fleets or owner operators. I mean, think about that. You get a $200,000 bill for a tow when you rubbed up against the guardrail because of high winds. You're an owner operator. All of a sudden, You're thinking, hey, no, I don't think so. I'm not paying this. You go hire your lawyer. You get your insurance company involved. Everybody starts fighting this bill. And (laughs) hold up, your cargo and your truck is stuck at the towing and recovery services lot behind the lock and key because they ain't letting that thing go until they get some money in their pocket. You see how this can add up to something that can get real predatory real fast? It's crazy, you guys. As I start to scroll down through this article, you get a lot of really good numbers um, and you can get this, obviously, just Google American Transportation Research Institute or ATRI, uh, and it will take you. This is right on the front page there. You can download the PDF and take this with you. This is a 54-page document, and there's a ton of good information in it if you're out on the road and you're trying to stay away from these predatory towing tactics. Um, because, guys, this is, the, this is the crazy part. 30% of towing interactions are... <laughs> according to this study, are predatory, all right? And I know that this is a little bit of a, a of a generous read of that number, but that's one third, that's one in three, give or take a few percentage points that end up involved in this, and that's way too many. There's a lot of legislation being pursued by a lot of different states that hopefully will do something to close some of these loopholes, but I think the best thing that we can do is really educate the driver, the one that's gonna be out there dealing with this type of stuff, just in case it's something you haven't seen or heard of before. Now, when we talk about the types of predatory practices that have been identified by the ATRI, they've broken them down into eight segments. And I also have with each segment here, how often in the identified predatory towing instances that the ATRI has found, how often each one of these comes up as the culprit. Uh, The very first one, the one that, it well, here, let me read you a little description. As previously noted, predatory towing can take multiple forms. Surveyed motor carriers were asked to identify which of eight primary types of predatory towing they had experienced and to rank them based on their impact on operations. Number one on the list, excessive hourly or per round rates. Excessive rates for equipment and labor were ranked as the most encountered and negatively impactful form of predatory towing. Rates are either set on an hourly or per round basis with hourly rates, the much more common practice appropriate and reasonable rates depend on a variety of factors for equipment. These may include asset type, tonnage capacity, age or condition, location, and frequency of use for labor rates. Factors may include experience, additional certification or training and location. The second most seen type of predatory towing is unwarranted additional equipment or labor charges. Uh, Charges for unwarranted equipment or labor can occur in several ways. This may be over deployment. This can occur when too many unused or heavier than necessary assets are sent to the crash site. Uh, Number three, excessive daily storage rate. This one's really self-explanatory. It's just when they're going to lock up your cargo in your truck and then they're going to ping you for $1,500, $2,000 a day just for the parking spot. Look, I know we bitch about parking sometimes on this podcast and how expensive those, you know, $30 a night parking spots can be. But, you know, how's $1,500 or so? Um, It it looks like the invoices analyzed in this research had a median storage rate of $120 per day. So that's something to keep in mind. If you're seeing something $500, $1,000 a day, you got to do something. You got to call somebody because you're getting uh, you're, you're involved in a predatory towing practice there. Uh, number four, vehicle release delays or access issues. Um, this happens when there's a delay in payment. If there's a delay in payment, they're not unlocking that gate for you to get your truck and your trailer out. Uh, number five on the list is cargo release delays. Motor carriers argue that towing and recovery companies should release their shippers cargo immediately even while contesting an invoice when truck tractors and trailers are held. Many towing and recovery companies agree on this point. Some towing and re- uh, recovery companies, however, hold cargo as a bargaining tool when invoices are contested. Look, I'm just offering my opinion here, but to me that in, an, in and of itself is predatory. The, the carrier doesn't own that cargo, the shipper and the receiver own that cargo. The carrier is, is just a middleman to get that cargo from point A to point B. You don't get to hold that cargo hostage. What is this, the mafia? What's next? You can, I'm not going to pay you. You're going to come out here and bust my kneecaps with a, a tire iron? I'm sorry. But this is this type of stuff tends to make me really upset because I, I feel like with insurance companies and carriers and drivers, it's like you're trying to take advantage of every single rung of the ladder. And when you take advantage of the big rungs on top of the ladder, that always trickles down to the lower rungs and will affect drivers, owner, operators, small fleets, big fleets, midsize fleets. Everybody gets affected because if the insurance company gets affected, like we said earlier, guess what? Premiums are getting jacked up. Number six on the list of the most predatory or most seen predatory tactics Uh, Vehicle seizure without cause. Over half of motor carrier respondents attested to incidents in which a truck tractor was seized without proper cause. Improper seizure or seizure without cause may occur when a tow operator arrives at the scene of a crash or mechanical breakdown unsolicited without being called by either law enforcement or the motor carrier. It's like those idiots that drive around in tow trucks and they just go to parking lot to parking lot to parking lot, hoping they're going to find somebody illegally parked so they can yank them out of there and charge them a couple hundred bucks a day to keep their car behind a barbed wire fence. It's kind of garbage. I understand everybody needs to make a buck, and I understand that this is mostly an honest business. Uh, save for the 30% of you out there that might be towing and recovering companies listening to this that are not being savory with your practices. Uh, number seven on the list of eight, tow operators misreporting non consensual toes as consensual. That uh, sounds like a real no means no situation. And I would hope uh, that it's not, if it's non consensual, just don't do it, and that goes for all walks of life, right? We need to get a, a sticker made to put on maybe every tow truck driver's dash that says no means no, all right? And uh, finally, number eight, damage due to use of improper towing equipment. Depending on the nature of a crash, a recovery may not be possible without causing some additional unavoidable damage, yet the use of improper towing equipment or recovery techniques can cause unnecessary damage to, To uh, trucks or trailers, this may be the result of inadequate training, temporary unavailability of the required assets, or a towing and recovery company that joined a rotation list without possessing the necessary equipment. So there you have it. That's the top eight uh, situation scenarios, if you will, that carriers have reported. And again, I think it's important because one in three tows are going to be subject to some sort of predatory towing tactic. So now that you know a few of these, now that you know what to look out for, uh, hopefully you can stay the hell out of the way of these predatory towing companies. I, it's it's also upsetting because it feels like these companies are making their best money when a driver is in his worst possible place, whether it's an accident, whether it's a breakdown whether it's it's inclement weather. Look, you don't want to be stopped, Okay, Yeah, you get paid by the hour liquid. That's great. But the point is still to get the liquid from point A to point B safely. And uh, when that doesn't happen and then you pile on top of it, a bunch of these people that are out there just trying to literally siphon money out of your wallet and your boss's wallet and the insurance company's wallet I'll tell you, man, it makes me want to tear my beard hairs out. And those hurt way more than the ones on top of my head. I don't even really have any of those left. So that that's a conversation for a different time. I'm going bald for a multitude of reasons. But predatory towing tactics are one of them. I hope that this segment helps uh, open the eyes a little bit to those of you that aren't already looking out for this stuff. And for those of you that are, stay frosty, my friends. Let's get to the next interview. Joining me now on the Liquid Trucking Podcast, I have a couple very special guests that stopped by to share their story with me today, and I'm very excited about it. First off is liquid driver Alex Shevchuk. Alex, how are you doing out there today?
3: Uh, not bad, except uh, a little bit of rainy ice freezing. I come down to Chicago overall. A little bit better weather here, so.
0: Well, that's good. Uh, it's, it's ugly out there all over the place, so I'm just glad you're not buried in snow right now, my friend. Uh, and, and Alex, I'm going to have you introduce the person that's joining us on the call today, if you don't mind.
3: Sure. I'm actually uh, 11 years uh, worth of trucking. I started long time ago, uh, went through a uh, reefer operation, went through a uh, flatbed operation. I haul uh, also oversized, and I end up to be open up my own uh, little company, still have a and N Trucking Express. Uh, worth of uh, two years and I have to shut it down because inflation and fuel prices and for liquid trucking we turn it in I turn it in actually two years already
0: that's amazing well very glad to have you here on the podcast today with us and joining us is uh, the reason I say this is a very special conversation is because we've never had somebody bring on uh, one of their family members before on this podcast. And joining us today is Alex Shevchuk, Jr. Jr., how are you doing today? Thanks for being here. I'm good. I'm good. Have you ever done a podcast before, Jr.?
3: No, never,
0: never. <laughs> and what about you, Alex? Is this your first podcast as well? Yeah, this is the uh, first time ever. So Very cool. Well, I can't tell you how excited I am that you guys decided to... Uh, to do your first podcast ever here with me on the Liquid Trucking Podcast. Uh, Alex, you and I have had a chance to uh, talk in person a couple of times. Uh, I was really excited that you were willing to come on here and chat with me because you have a very cool story. And uh, I'm gonna save us all a little bit of time here and just play a clip that you sent me from a news article that actually featured you and your family. So here's the clip. This hug has been years in the making. (laughs) In a town called Vinitsa, in the middle of the Ukraine,
3: uh, we grew up uh, in a little village together.
0: Since leaving that little town in Ukraine, Alex Shevchuk has been here in Lincoln, and now his brother Vassal and his family is here to stay. We haven't met their kids.
4: Yeah, Just the they didn't oldest see our one. kids.
3: Yeah, the oldest one. We she oh. was about two
0: when we last saw yeah. her. The reunion was all made possible thanks to Catholic Social Services of Southern Nebraska. They helped the two families get from Ukraine to Lincoln today. Parts of Ukraine are currently war-torn areas. They have to
3: prove that they have um, viable reason to to flee their country of origin, to seek protection
0: in the United States. Catholic Social Services says this process takes years and is full of a lot of screenings. And the families were actually supposed to get here last year, but then the pandemic started. (laughs) The days to come will be full of English lessons and getting them all jobs. Maher says getting them here right before the holidays is the best feeling.
3: So to see a family reunion take place um, is is so reassuring to us, and it's it's a real highlight and honor to to witness. It's awesome, it's exciting, I I, I cannot express my feelings. So,
0: what an amazing clip featured on the uh, local news there in Lincoln, Nebraska, Alex. How did you feel when they were there shooting that man? I'm looking at a picture of you right now. You've got the biggest smile on your face I think I've ever (laughs) seen on a driver. Talk to me about that moment at the airport when you saw your family for the first time in what was a very long time.
3: It was actually amazing. 19 years, didn't see my brother. And uh, big role play in liquid trucking again. They took me in uh, when I um, requested time off. It was precise uh, decision on dispatch side. They got me on time in Lincoln, jump off in my vehicle from Daniel, Colorado, and got on time to meet my brother at the airport. I didn't know they were gonna shoot a live uh, TV show. She asked me actually, if uh, she can ask me a couple questions, that's about it. And then here you go. She roll in on the full mode uh, news. So <laughs> I wasn't expecting.
0: <laughs> well, that's great that they were there to capture that moment for you because now it can live forever in that in that little clip there. Uh, Junior, what was it like coming to America, man? Uh, I was born here, actually. Oh, you were born here. I'm sorry. I thought you were one of the ones that came over. So that was your that was your relatives that came over in that clip then. Yeah, that was a a relative. Awesome. Okay, so what was it like seeing uh, your uncle for the first time? Now, had you met your uncle before uh, that? No, I
4: I actually only saw them once on video call, but that's it.
0: I have never saw them. Nothing. Not even my family. Wow. And so what did it feel like to get to meet him in person and meet your cousins for the first time? It was exciting.
4: It was like you haven't seen them for a long time, and you get to see them once, like in person, not just on the video call. It was an awesome moment.
0: That's very cool. Now, uh, your dad tells me that you're a football player, Alex. How did football season go for you this year?
4: It was actually pretty fun. I played for uh, I played for Parkview in uh, high school. Uh, I was a freshman. It was uh, we went to state well playoffs, but uh, ended up losing at the. Um,
0: finals hey that still sounds like a successful yeah. year man that's awesome congratulations what position do you play yeah. i played running back fullback and then in defense i played um middle backer you know i was gonna ask if you were a middle backer because your dad's got that middle backer build alex you look to me like you <laughs> could you could get in there and stuff a run man if you needed to did you ever play any <laughs> football alex uh when you were a kid
3: I uh, actually didn't. Uh, we end up to be uh, uh, soccer. That's about it. Never uh, experienced uh, big American football. So it was uh, really exciting. My son joined in a little bit and, and see how he plays. It's really awesome.
0: Have you become a fan of the sport uh, watching junior play? um not too much because i'm basically
3: over the road and get back home uh saturday night uh, i probably moments for me was watching the clips that they send me uh, mom's actually with them and there's a lot of sisters and brothers join they were super excited it was awesome
0: yeah it's very cool i see you've got a big family how many kids do you have alex
3: uh, we have together uh, with my wife uh, been uh, seven kids, and uh, I've been enjoying every single one of them. They grow up already, so it, it's been awesome.
0: Very cool. Well, uh, that's that's awesome. Uh, Junior, it's got to feel pretty awesome to have a, a like a spirit line that's that long for you, just coming from your own house, having all those brothers and sisters, <laughs> big cheering yeah. section for you, man. You're probably the most popular guy on the team.
4: Dude, I'm telling you, anytime I'm in the game, you can hear them from a mile away, dude. <laughs> That's, <laughs>
0: That's awesome. That's what keeps
4: you going. When you're when you're in the middle of nowhere,
0: you, you just hear the word, Alex, dude. <laughs> that keeps you motivated. That's so cool. Uh, so, Alex, uh, you told me when we were uh, scheduling this call the other day about a time that Liquid really came through for you. Now, I, this is actually the second time that we'll talk about this in this call that Liquid came through for you because... You already told us about when your uh, brother was coming, uh, landing at the airport. Uh, Liquid came through for you there and got you to the airport for that reunion. Uh, But there was a little bit of inclement weather involved in a story that you told me uh, where Liquid really pulled through for you. Can you talk me through that story?
3: Yeah, these guys, um, actually, I realized these guys are not just uh, regular fellows in the office. They're very, very knowledge, very nice people, very educated Anytime they see weather coming, that's what I took a load across uh, a town called uh, Floyd, uh, Iowa. It's in the middle of um, basically Highway 20 going uh, east, and then you're picking up yourself uh, 35 a little bit and jumping on a little highway. I was delivering to Minnesota a customer and coming back and actually come across uh, another a good thing with a liquid trucking is uh, shop and, and informant uh, mechanics on duty that work there. Actually, my light was uh, not working on that time brake light special on the back. So when I pull into the truck stop, I exactly park the rig right in the storm. When I saw the message, I pick it up the phone, and I saw the message there angle and speed the tornado warning a tornado coming through the town so I moved my rig uh, pull my rig actually away from the the little curb the other guy was parked and I parked the vehicle and uh, here you go on the full mode after this message after I safely parked was talking to a mechanic he goes I'm not going to let you go until we resolve the issue in the morning so These guys are so knowledge and efficient, to look uh, weather-wise inform us, And there is um, absolutely nothing could have stopped this storm to roll over my truck and trailer. So I was in a row and I seen it in life, how it was a red Volvo and red, beautiful truck uh, rolled over, picked up by wind and uh, we jumped off. It was horrible uh, time. And we jumped off, uh, grabbed the jacket, and it's still blowing. It, it's crazy. Uh hot shot ended up to be jackknife himself to save his situation because that's the only way you can get away from blowing over and jackknife your truck. So we jumped off. We start rescued rescue the driver. Uh, he was fine, ended up to be safe uh, and good and sound on the tr- in the truck stop uh, later. But His rig, totally, it was on the side. And uh, you can see um, in the story, uh, ambulance and uh, fire truck actually show up first. So it was total, I think, four or five trucks in that time was blowing over. When that message appeared it was actually life-saver, uh, safe situation for me because I I could have been on that time and the same exact spot where the trucker got blown over. So I moved my rig, mechanic was standing by. These guys are incredible and I thankful every moment because we're here so making the deliveries. They make sure we're safe where we operate on these uh, highways and weather-wise situations, so.
0: That's an amazing story and you sent me some pictures too Alex of that truck sitting on its side and it's just mind-blowing when you think about the force behind a tornado that can flip a loaded semi-truck on its side like that and uh you guys you had pictures of guys even standing on top of it which in essence was standing on the door uh trying to help yep. this driver out so that's crazy but I'm sure the driver felt very lucky that there were so many people there to jump into action and help him and uh, hats off yep. to your guys back at the uh, terminal that kept you or that told you where that storm was going so you could get your truck moved. Um, Junior, yep. it makes me want to ask you a question. Are you ever worried about dad when he's out on the road? This is this can be kind of a, a tumultuous job. A lot of things can go wrong. Uh, do you do you have faith in your dad as a driver? Or do you worry about him from time to time out there?
4: Well, it's it's kind of, it's both you know like i had, I know he's a he's a he's super experienced I've been on the road with him a lot of times I know he's super experienced He can do it but there's sometimes where you're just worried you know because anything can happen on the road you can't predict it you can't you, you can't ever know what's gonna happen on the road it's 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 always a surprise
0: has he been passing so down some of his safety training to you as you start to move towards the age of oh, getting yeah. a driver's license oh yeah
4: Oh yeah! Now I feel better, you know, like driving in the snow and stuff like that. Because I get, I, like he gives me all this knowledge and stuff that's like I never even knew before. And now, now that I know, you can do
0: like, you can save any situation basically. That's great advice, man. I, well, Alex, I'm glad to hear that you're passing that all down. I also heard uh, that you guys went on a little vacation to Panama City recently. And Alex, you've been sending me a ton of pictures of this. Alex, yes. talk me through that that journey, man, down to Panama City, Florida, a little bit of a tropical vacation. What would you guys get into down there? It was actually uh,
3: the first year of uh, liquid trucking, first year requesting uh, this uh, 10 days vacation. I took a Friday, and through the whole week, uh, with a friend of mine, we split a little vacation. It's cheaper for us. Whole family got involved, except one, one daughter, Elizabeth, was busy at that time, but We made it, and um, it was rainy in the evening. We were uh, able to still go to the ocean and swim. And we decided, first time in life, uh, moment is deciding uh, to get on a big old ship, gather together like 20, 30 people. Got all the way in the open ocean and throw a bait and catching this uh, beautiful fish, all kinds. I can't even remember the names and everything. It was so exciting moment. Our group actually beat everybody. We got three big old bundles together worth of uh, fish, and uh, it, it was awesome experience. Uh, you kind of rock it on the end of the boat. You got to hang on yourself <laughs> because... And one guy actually caught bigger one. Uh, we got to the point that uh, we were changing spots, and we got uh, big fish uh, actually. Uh, underneath the boat, and he was pulling off. And actually, one of them shark, uh, as usual, she, uh, she feels the blood, and she grabbed uh, half of the fish off. So we got about half a big old fish uh, on the board. <laughs>
0: That's crazy. And you were and you you guys yeah. knew that that was going on. Was there any like uh, fear or anything that worked three at that point? I mean, there's a big shark under the boat.
3: No, it was just a tremendous experience because. What it is, we were just inviting a shark at the long, at the beginning with, uh, with the story because all of 40 people throwing bait and with a little bit of blood and smell. So she was traces down all the way through the ocean. So next time when I go fishing, you better go private because, uh, uh, you can get away from this shark situation. So you can go to the really nice fish. I, I guess it's a little bit of, more expensive probably five hundred dollars for the boat but we end up paying like 350 bucks for a couple people so okay it wasn't
0: yeah now junior had you ever been on uh any kind of tropical vacation like that before or or anything no, like that no
3: never it was the first
4: time i never never been on a boat like that in my life it was crazy i've been fishing before not but not like this it's like usually when you fish you cast it out and you wait or whatever or you reel it in slowly here you drop it down wait till it hits the bottom and you reel up a fish right away that's so that, cool that boat was crazy too dude the ride there, i felt so sick nothing like driving in a truck <laughs>
0: <laughs> get a little seasick did you yeah, I did too, man. I've been out on one of those boats before, a lot smaller than the one that you guys were on, but out in the middle of open water fishing like that, and I was so sick. Uh, I actually spent the first like two and a half hours of the fishing expedition sleeping under the cabin because I was so yeah. sick. So <laughs> that I was totally... me right there too. <laughs> was it okay? Because I was about your age. I was about fourteen when I went out on that. Uh, I was I was off the Pacific Ocean there and. I couldn't believe it, man. I had on the seasick patch and everything, but I had never felt worse in my life. It was very, very uncomfortable. Yeah.
4: And you can't make it stop. That's the worst part. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. And I couldn't, I didn't come prepared. I didn't bring any seasick things, nothing, dude. It was like, I got to get used to it, you know?
0: Yep. Yep. And you did finally get used to it and, and ended up catching some fish, it sounds like. Yeah. Good. Good. Well, what was, uh, aside from the fishing, Junior, what was your favorite part of that trip down to Panama City? I think there's
4: just the time we spent with the family and to get to know each other better. And also, like, we went on a, uh, uh, like, we rented boats ourselves, going out with people. We rented two boats ourselves and went and explored the island and the whole, whole basically Florida. We stopped on an island and went, like, grabbing
0: crabs and stuff like that. It was it was nice to spend time, you know, swim a little. Yeah, that's amazing. Well, Alex, that sounds like one heck of a trip that you were able to organize. And uh, it sounds like you brought quite the crew down there with you. So, you know, mo- the more the merrier. Big vacations like that are always fun when you get a lot of yeah. your loved ones together.
3: Yep, that's exactly. We're uh, we're split in the house. It was uh, right by the beach. So I'd be able to actually want to make a beautiful picture and... Uh, Donated to Liquid Truckings for the memory; uh, they can have it. Uh, me and the bicycle on the middle of the ocean first year, and uh, it's all because those guys line up everything and they give you a little bit of vacation uh, uh, time and uh, it and money wise. So it was um, been. Uh, grateful experience and it's all because uh liquid trucking uh been involved in it and it uh, was a lifetime experience so
0: how do you see the future shaping up for you alex with your uh, career with liquid trucking is this a place you're going to stick around for as long as they'll have you
3: yes sir Uh, it's uh very knowledge uh, very safety people out there they're not gonna have you break a rule uh, they'll do everything that's possible to make sure you get the one piece uh, back to your family. And uh, I've been have a contract with them. Uh, they promised me to get me back home every weekend. That's what they end up to be doing uh, every time. Saturday, it's between uh, two p.m. or three p.m. I'm already home. So that's
4: great. No, no other company has treated us and my dad this good as as so far.
0: Yeah, they keep him out there on the road longer than he's supposed to be, and you don't get to spend as much time with him, right? Uh, Yeah, and it's like
4: they give him jobs, and they, they make sure he's safe. They make sure he's treated well.
0: You know, I like that. Sure sure those other companies they don't they don't add up to liquid and and you guys aren't the first people to tell me that now i will say because junior you're the first family member i've had you are the first family member to attest to that but i got a lot of drivers on this show that come on and tell me that liquid takes care of them they're a family oriented company they want you to get to spend time with your family and uh you know these other these other companies out there alex they can really look at you like you're a number rather than a person can't they
4: yeah
3: sure one of them, um, excitement I have is to share in the future, uh, podcast. If it would be one like this, uh, it might be, uh, better be live, uh, on the YouTube or something. I want to share some experience on the road, healthy food. For the truck drivers that go every day and they actually will save um, a lot of money for truck drivers to prepare the meal home and uh, take it on the road all you have to do just warm up and you have a uh, fresh and delicious salad in the truck and you can eat healthy except uh, go on the truck stop sometimes we we'll get busy and uh, we grab whatever we can but it's a lot better uh, to to get yourself healthy, healthy eating on the road. That's one of them things I want to share with uh, liquid drivers and whoever's listening out there. So,
0: For sure. And actually, uh, good news on that front. I've already spoken with Jason about that. We've got that episode planned out for the future. Uh, so we will have you come back on and uh, share some of your tips with the other drivers out there because... I'm always uh I'm always excited to hear about the different meal options that you guys get into out there. You know, uh, once on a different podcast, Alex, I had a lady uh, tell us a story about how she cooked an entire Thanksgiving dinner in her cab while she was rolling, and then she stopped and was sharing it with other drivers at a truck stop. I mean, does it get any better than that? Yeah, it's awesome. Yep.
4: I have I have I actually eat so a great deal with my dad. It it cooks in a truck. We have like a little crock pot, a little coffee machine maker, and dude, it just smells good every morning in that <laughs> truck. It's it's different food, but you
0: make what, what you make stuff with what you got, you know. Absolutely. What's your favorite thing that your dad's made you while you've been in the cab with him? I think it's either his chicken.
2: He
4: makes some good steak, but I think the my favorite favorite one is his soup that he makes. With
0: beef. Okay. Well, hey, put me down on uh, the put me down on the order for one of each, please, because that all sounds great.
3: (laughs) We got. um, uh, If I didn't interrupt the story, we got uh, a special. It's called barley beef barley soup. It's really easy to make. Doesn't require too many ingredients, but it is so delicious. And I have to drive careful because. If I spill, I spill my lunch.
0: So I
4: have to... I'm sometimes back there holding it,
0: you know? (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. Well, Alex, Alex Jr., it's been an absolute pleasure to have you guys both on here today. I know, Alex, we're going to get you back on later on to talk about some of the meals that you make on the road and share some... uh, Some tips with uh, the other liquid drivers. Alex Jr., I'm not sure when we'll get to talk to you again, my friend, but, uh, hey, good luck out there on the football field next season. I should ask, do you have any other sports coming up that you're playing? Yeah, track. Okay, you a sprinter? Oh, yeah, high jump. High jump. All right, awesome. Well, good luck to you out there. Uh, with the track thank and you. field, man, and uh, thank you so much for being here. I'm, I am I could keep you all day just to keep you out of the rest of the day at school, but I'll let you go ahead and get back okay. in there and uh, take care of what you need to, okay? Okay. Thank you. Thanks for being here, uh, Junior and Alex Shevchuk. Driver for Liquid, thank you for bringing on your son. Thank you for sharing your story with us and uh, all of the great things that we talked about today. We really appreciate your time, man. I'm glad we got you on here. I thought we were going to have to wait a lot longer to get you on this podcast, so I'm really excited it worked out as early as it did.
3: Sure, uh, I'm excited too, and uh, thank you for uh, getting me on the podcast. It's uh, unusual. I was trying to wait for older guys to come in first and share the stories and everything. I guess they... Uh, the other drivers fired me up, and here I am. And thank you so much for <laughs> being here. So,
0: Of course. We will talk to you guys again soon. Stay safe out there, all right, Alex?
3: All right. Thank you.
0: Liquid Trucking, that wraps up another episode of your very own brand shiny new podcast. Well, it might not be new anymore. We're 12 episodes into this thing, and we appreciate everybody that stopped by today to help us out. Uh, Dave Blotzer and Bo Hankey, great conversation with them, and uh, always love the little cameo from Cole Brown there at the end. Uh, he's always welcome. And then we had an awesome conversation, a kind of touching and just heartwarming feel-good conversation with Liquid Driver, Alex Shevchuk, and Alex Jr. Uh, you know, I, I look, if you want me to uh, really kind of dish on how I feel about some things, I was okay in school as a kid. I just didn't really like it. I didn't have time for it. I wanted to go do other things that I was interested in. So it was kind of cool to get to pull Alex Jr. out of class for a little bit and and know that all the rest of those kids are in there listening to another droning on lecture from their teacher. Meanwhile, Alex Jr. is off in his own room, locked in there somewhere doing a podcast with dad. That sounds pretty cool if you're a guy like me that just absolutely fell in love with broadcasting at a very young age. So I really appreciate Alex Shevchuk uh, making that possible for us and Alex Jr. for taking some time away from his studies to jump on here with us and record a podcast episode. That's going to do it for us today. Don't forget to click that subscribe button. And a reminder from the top of the show, head on over to liquidtrucking.com and click the learn more button under the podcast advertisement. That's where you can get in touch with me. Check out all the episodes and find all the places that you can find said episodes. I'm out of here. Stay safe out there. We'll see you next week, Liquid.
3: Thanks for tuning in and being the gold standard
4: of drivers on the road. Be sure to like and subscribe to the channel and tune in next week for another
2: episode of the Liquid Trucking Podcast.